This is the Private Practice Workshop Podcast. I'm your host, John Clark, helping you build a better business without all the overwhelm. And boy, do I have an impressive guest for you today. It's Eric Sue. I first learned about Eric through um, uh, a wildly popular podcast called Marketing School with Eric Sue and Neil Patel. You've probably heard of Neil Patel as well, his good friend and colleague who um, is known for many things, including Uber Suggest, a great SEO tool that we recommend to all of our fully booked students. And, um, and, and Eric is just really uh, an impressive entrepreneur with a very long, uh, impressive track record. Um, he is uh, uh, just kind of a legend in the digital marketing world. And so when I saw, um, when, I, when I had the opportunity to interview him for the podcast, I was quite excited and really hadn't had a guest this big for a long time. So I'm very, very excited to introduce to you today, Eric Sue, in this uh, episode, we talk about his upcoming book, Leveling Up, where he kind of draws the comparison between uh, going through the levels of a video game and kind of the levels of life and business. He has a really interesting take on all of that. Uh, we cover a lot of ground. He gives a lot of advice for um, service-based business owners and then people also wanting to scale either that business or scale through uh, online business, um, online products, courses, memberships, scaling uh, through your content, et cetera. So um, just a really fun conversation, lots of wisdom that he shared in this episode, and I'm really excited to um, to reveal it to you guys. So um, we'll put links to everything in the description, like uh, links to his uh, upcoming book that's being released very soon, Leveling Up at levelingup.com. Before I forget, I also want to tell you that there's a number of ways we can help you grow the private practice of your dreams, uh, including our new, uh, sorry, up-level coaching program. Uh, using that word level a lot today, but that new, uh, our, our new program, Up Level Coaching, you're getting unlimited weekly uh, coaching with me in a small group format, access to an exclusive uh, Slack channel to, to, to work with me um, week to week and uh, access to uh, lots of other fun bonuses and tools that I can share with you to help you grow your business faster and with less headaches. So uh, learn more about Uplevel and apply through uh, our homepage, privatepracticeworkshop.com. All right, let's dive in. Eric, welcome to the show. I was just... um, uh, catching up with you here a little bit before the show surprised you that people do surf in San Francisco <laughs> among many yeah, other activities. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me, John. Uh, like I said, I, I learned something new every day. There you go. Eric, I had mentioned I'd been following you for quite a while, actually years ago when I kind of got my start in trying to learn how to market my first practice. Uh, I, I listened to marketing school and was uh, felt like I was found the fast track to <laughs> extracting what is a, a massive information online about how to market a business, right? Or even just how to quote, do your SEO. And then um, with your podcast, I felt like I was getting uh, the gold nuggets every, every, every time I listened. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Yeah. What's going on in your world uh, uh, these days and what are you working on? Yeah. I mean, um, so there's a lot of things uh, in the air, but my main focus right now is I have this, uh, this book coming out called leveling up and um, kind of the fundamentals behind it. I I used to play esports before it became um, a big thing. And a lot of that applies to, to just business and life in general. And I I really do think gaming creates leaders. Um, So, you know, as it relates to this 
podcast that we're doing right now, I think it's it's important to understand that there are levels to everything. So you think about the levels of your business, there's levels of your career, there's levels of how strong you are, there's levels of kind of your your um, your mental fitness when it comes to meditation. There's just all these levels that you have to con- uh, conquer. And I think it's a really easy way to look at it too when you think of life as a game because if you think of it as a never-ending game, then you just keep getting better. You keep getting stronger and stronger and you play as long as you can. And then, you know, when you pass away, you pass away, but then that's when the game ends. So when did you start thinking of kind of business and life in these terms? Was it, were you playing a particular game at the time? Yeah. Uh, did you play any games growing up? I did. And I still do. <laughs> which, which did you play any MMOs, any, um, uh, first person shooters? Lots of them. Yeah. And we'll do uh, lots of Call of Duty, lots of Halo. And okay. today, um, against the, you know, against my better judgment at times or um, uh, the advice of my wife, I play a lot of Rocket League with my friends, which, <laughs> which is a highly, highly tied to your rank, right? Your rank is changing literally every game on either a good day or a bad day or nothing in between. So I anyway, love that. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot hasn't changed from, from back then. I, I think uh, I, I think intuitively I knew it the whole time when I was playing, especially when I was playing MMO RPGs, uh, where I had a character and then my character had to get stronger and stronger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had to interact with teams. And so I probably intuitively knew this 12 or 13 years old, but I never knew that business, I would find business to be the ultimate game. I just always knew to myself, if I can find something where I would wake up with excitement every day like this, I would probably be set for the rest of my life. And um, thankfully, it's, you know, my canvas now is, is is business. And I can just, whenever I get bored of, on one side, I can move over to another side. If I don't want to play this business, I can sell it or I can have an operator run it. Um, there's just a lot of games teach you how to solve puzzles. And life is really just a puzzle. Business is just a puzzle. It's a great metaphor. So if you're a business owner, if, if our business owners listening now, and they're probably wondering, well, what level am I on? <laughs> how do you help people figure that out or think about where they're at? Yeah. So in, in the book, we have this uh, concept I borrowed from my friend, um, Nathan Berry, and uh, it's this concept called the wealth ladder. And so in your life, you are in the very beginning, your, your goal is to become educated. Your goal is to, your parents want you to get equal. They want you to have equal opportunity. They want you to be at the same starting line as everyone else, right? I think that's the goal for everyone when we talk about education. Um, so education's first. The second thing is education doesn't stop once you're done with school. You continue you have to be educated, but you also have to build the right habits, the right power-ups. And that's fundamentally what the book is about. And that, and if you think about it, um, after that, you start working somewhere, and then you can start doing some freelancing on the side. Then you can start an agency if you want. You can start a private practice if you want. Um, you can start to invest in products. You can start to build network effects businesses. And then you can start to build SpaceX, right? You can just keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And by the way, if you decide you want to stop at any one level, that's fine. You just don't get to advance to the next level until you beat the boss, right? And so your life is just a series of levels. Business is levels. Everything is levels. I love it. So Eric, a lot of our well, entrepreneurs and therapists are no different. We struggle with focus, right? What to focus on. Or I mentioned a lot of therapists are at a point where they either want to scale their therapy practice in the form of hire more clinicians, more locations, right? More branches, whatever. On the other hand, some go, um, okay, I've kind of done that model. I know how it works, right? Rinse, wash, repeat, scale, 
run more Google ads, open more offices, hire more clinicians. On the other hand, they want to go, you know what? I'm really good at like, let's say treating addiction or something. I want to see if I can put my, my approach to addiction into a membership site. Um, but we lose focus quickly. So how do you decide what to focus on as it relates to like these, these levels or what's going to get me to the next level? How do you make those decisions? So I think there's multiple parts to this question um, in terms of answers. And one thing is for me, I like to do a lot of different things. It's just given. And so the way to counteract that is to get it to get your business to a point where you can hire operators to run all the other stuff that you have going on because you need resources and you know to have resources you got to have capital so i like to think of service businesses as great launchpad businesses mm -hmm. because they bring in great cash flow they're not necessarily scalable because the more clients you add the more people that you have to add and there's a quality control problem exactly uh, so my thesis has always been when I took over my the, the ad agency was to take the revenues from that and mm -hmm. go find other durable or more exponential sources of revenue and scale it up from there, right? So that's why I think it's a great idea for you know, a lot of your uh, listeners to be doing courses, uh, to be doing, you know, peer groups and things like that. And then they can build software if they want, and then they can go off and invest in other things, right? Um, but I, I think you're especially in today's day and age, you, you think about the, the, the four forms of leverage. You have code, capital, you have labor, and you have media. Not enough people are thinking about media. Not enough are thinking about code. Um, I think in the past, it was just all about labor. It was all about capital, right? Uh, but again, it, it becomes too stressful. And that game, by the way, is not super defensible. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm going to go open up a bunch of other uh, private practices. Uh, well, how far are you going to get from that? Because I feel like all your other competitors are probably doing that. What yeah. can you do that's unique? And to your point, courses is a great place to start. Yeah, I think that's great. I think um, this is kind of the way that I teach it to our clients too, is get your practice really solid, as automated as possible, right? Um, whether that's a solid solo practice where you're seeing 15, 20 people a week, right? You're starting to make good money. Um, but there is always that point where therapists go, I want to do more, right? Or I'm meant for more, or I'm interested in other kinds of business, right? Or even just monetizing my current content. And um, yeah, figuring out which one to focus on next is key, right? When you, when you think about an operator, I mean, this is an essential part, right? Of being able to cast the vision for either the business or the new business, um, but then not be in the weeds all day, every day, and the only one doing the work, that operator role is critical, right? So what do you look for in that, that operator role and how have you been successful in, in, in hiring yeah. that? There's this book that I've read in the past uh, called uh, Visionary or sorry, Rocket Fuel. And it's this concept, brings up the concept of a visionary and an integrator. And most of us, every four out of five people, we are visionaries. The other um, the other 20%, well, they're integrators. Integrators are the ones that that make things happen. And so I, I think, it, I mean, look, you know, at the end of the day, the integrator could be someone that is an operations person. It could be someone that is, uh, could be your ex executive assistant as an example. But the idea here is with these integrators, um, I like using a concept uh, of the role scorecard, which comes from this book called who that's W H O with a question mark. And um, basically you're specking out what outcomes you're looking for and what competencies you're, you're looking for. So for example, if I'm looking to hire a CEO, maybe I want them to manage a $20 million PL. I want them to have to have uh, recruited uh, an executive team before and, and done all these things. These are the outcomes I'm looking for. And then I will score them on that when I'm interviewing them. And then the competency I'm looking for, you know, how many years of experience, blah, blah, blah. Um, but you want to make sure that you have a 
a system that's not completely bulletproof, but you're going to get a lot more consistency from it. And so I think you, you, you add something like that and then you combine it with, um, you do the who method and you combine it with looking, thinking about the, the rocket fuel method and thinking about, here's another thing, you know, the concept of $10 an hour tasks, hundred dollar an hour tasks, million dollar an hour tasks, right? Um, what are the $10 tasks that you should not be doing right now? You should ruthlessly be able to, um, every quarter think about delegating. Every what's 10 to 15% of things I can take off my plate. Those tasks become a job and that those are things that you hire for. Yeah. Th- this is a critical point for therapists too, is that a lot of them are still doing those 10, 15, $20 an hour tasks when they can be generating 200, $250, $300 an hour, right? Doing the thing they're best at and where their expertise is. The other piece yeah. is that th- therapists find themselves repeating the same things to clients over and over again, right? So it's like having that expertise or let's say in, if you're in advertising and you're doing consulting, right? And you walk 10 different clients through the same exact process, you tell them the same things, right? So one step, right, is trying to productize what you do or trying to extract some core principles of what you do so that they're taught in a more scalable way, right? That's a big step for, for many people. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think it's, um, you know, when you're able to, instead of charging, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars an hour or whatever, I mean, you can have a course where you're selling it for $500 or a thousand thousand dollars and you're profitable on it. You're spending Facebook ads on it and you put a dollar in, you get $5 or $10 back. You you have a money printing machine. And then from there, you can either use that wealth to just, Hey, you're, you're good. Let's kick back and just take care of your family. That's totally fine. Or you can use that and now parlay into the next thing and you level up into the next thing you level up into the next thing, right? You can keep playing the game. It keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Um, but you know, again, choose your own adventure. This is interesting because, um, I have always treated my business that way. I take a portion of the profits. I have myself on a salary as the owner, but I take a portion of profits and I use them for either a new idea or to fund Facebook ads for a new course or to launch something. I will also be willing to at times take a loss on something knowing that there's real opportunity later. So for instance, we just launched a new software an owner dashboard software um, and was willing to just break even or take a small loss on that for now, knowing that there's real demand and not another product like that in the market. So kind of treating your own business a bit like a startup, right? Um, Is that kind of the way you think about your own business or think about how to take the success or even some of the capital from one business and duplicate it in the next one, right? Or use it to kickstart your progress in the next one? I mean, for me, it's it's very extreme, right? I deploy all of the, the profits back in. Um, and so I don't take a salary. I, I I put all the profits back in. So my goal is enterprise value. Um, and, and by the way, that's not something I recommend for everyone because if, by the way, if you have a mortgage, you have uh, kids, you have a family, like, no, you shouldn't be taking that much risk. Um, but I, I am very risk tolerant because I used to play a lot of poker growing up. So that comes back to gaming. Again, <laughs> gaming has reframed how I think about it. Um, but, you know, understanding that, um, well, I don't want to go into politics, but understanding that only I can control my result, um, or I'm going to have the be- best optionalities with yeah. is with you, right? So, um, you know that that's how I think about it. But I, I think, you know, when it comes to thinking about a a services business, um, you know, I think it's just it's a great type of business to 
get ideas from because you're going to be talking to clients all the time. You're going to be hearing about all their needs. By the way, with my marketing agency, I can do this, right? Because we work with a lot of software companies, a lot of technology companies for these up and comers. Let's say that it's an up and coming e-commerce company. If I see it doing really well, I have first dibs. I can reach out and say, Hey, I'm interested in investing in your company, or maybe I want to buy a majority share, right? So the agency, their service business, you shouldn't hate on it. There's, there's a time and place for it. It's a great training ground for people um, that are, that are up and coming. Um, you get a lot of data from the clients that you work with and um, it's a great cash flow business, right? So services have their time and place. But again, I like to trade that for more exponential sources of revenue. This is interesting because this is in part how I, um, so for, for a couple of years, we were running uh, a small ad agency for therapists, running Google ads for therapists all over the country, found that basically we're hitting a bit of a glass ceiling with that in terms of scaling it, right? Um, not being able to charge enough, et cetera, or having budgets not be big enough to really scale it. And so <clears throat> what we did is in part kind of try to productize that business, right? And put it into what is now my fully booked program. And we took, I mean, we had obviously loads and loads of data, keyword lists, tag, you know, uh, uh, copy that we had already tested, negative keyword list, things like that, that we could take and essentially kind of productize part of that business and then, you know, disperse it, whatever. Um, so with that being said, is there a, um, what's the bigger vision right now for your ad agency and where's that going? Cause I know you also have, um, have grown that tremendously o- over some time. Yeah. So, at a high level, the way we look at it is we're a product studio. So the ad agency is one piece of it, but we have a software company. There's also um, marketing school and we have events that are tied to that. We have uh, we have education programs that are tied to that as well. And then within Single Grain, we also have another education program called Consulting School. There's so, so there's a lot of stuff going on and we're also doing, you know, some affiliate stuff as well. Um, and, you know, if we're a product studio, the ultimate, the, the kind of overarching uh, mission here is to level up marketing businesses, right? So it t- ties in with this whole leveling up concept, but then I focus around the world of marketing. So I've uh, just earlier this week, uh, I made two investments in, in, in marketing companies and I'll continue to do so. As long as I feel like I can blow something up, uh, I'm going to put into focus on it, right? Or put, put money into it. And I think this is helpful for me because product studio means I get to try a lot of different things or my team does, but we stay focused around the marketing niche. Okay. So some portion is service-based, but a bigger portion is building out these products, these durable products, basically in software. Yep. That's correct. And by the way, um, you know, I, I think it's really important. Like it's, you know, Jeff Bezos talks about type one and type two decisions. Type one mm-hmm. is largely irreversible type. So if I'm, if I marry someone, for example, that's, that's a little hard to just reverse the next day, right? So most of us were making type two decisions most of the time, which are largely reversible. Um, so, but when you decide to scale your service business to, you know, 10, 20, 30 million or whatever, congratulations to you. But even if you're doing 30 million, your profit might be the same as when you're at, you know, 5 million or something like that. Yeah. And um, you're trading for a new set of problems. You have bigger revenue, you have a lot more staff, but you're not necessarily scaling, right? And so that is not a good trade. Thinking about things long-term, that is not a good option, to, in, in my opinion. If you're doing a service business right now, I think going down the course route, thinking about peer groups, thinking about software like you are, I think that's that's a path to more freedom and more sanity. This is a major problem, right? And actually, <clears throat> years years ago, I was talking to a friend who runs coffee shops, and she said, "I'm really into like, uh, you know, high end coffee and stuff, like hipster coffee." And she said, "You know, the the coffee shops that are profitable are either." 
the tiny hole in the wall ones <clears throat> that have very low overhead and are doing high volume and really focusing on the coffee, right? And have low staff and low turnover and all this stuff. Those, and then the really big ones that are doing crazy volume, right? Or the Starbucks of the world, the medium sized ones are all suffering, right? Because they're trying to scale, they're, they need more people, they need more space, they take on some uh, some debt, right, or whatever it is, and they get in that middle uh, size, and they really struggle. So you either need to push through that, right, or stay stay smaller, right. And this effect plays out with therapists a ton, right, who try to scale or open the multiple offices, and they either need to really hit the gas pedal and go for it, or stay small and look at these other ways uh, to scale, right. Yeah, um, Eric, for you what's the ultimate level? Like what's, what's the ultimate level? And is there a boss waiting at the end or <laughs> like, what's, what does that look Good like? Question. I mean, there's bosses at every single level. Um, so it just depends on how far you want to go for me. I just want to keep playing so that the game will never end for me until, you know, I, I pass away. Um, but you know, if you wanted to ask about some, something tangible, I remember reading a book when I was 25 years old called the billionaire who was it. And there's it's about this guy that founded all the duty free stores. And, um, you know, eventually he, he gave away all the money and now everybody knows who he is now everybody knows Chuck Feeney, but back in the day, nobody knew who he was. Um, and so, you know, he gave away $8 billion. And when I was 25 years old, I was like, I just want to give away 1% of that. So 80 million. Mm -hmm. And I got a little older. I'm like 800 million. And now I got a little older and I'm like, why not just aim for the whole thing that he gave away? Right. So that's, if you want a number, that's what I'm aiming for. Mm -hmm. Who knows if it will happen, you know, shoot for the stars, land on the moon, but it's, it's a good game to play. Love it. Um, a little more tactical, Eric, uh, how do you manage yourself? In other words, when you sit down in the morning at that desk or wherever you are, how do you choose what to focus on today? Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about, you know, routines and all that, um, you know, I'll say, I think it all starts with your pre-routine, your morning routine, and then getting into the flow of work. So I'll start with that. Yeah. Um, some tactical stuff for me, sleep is really important. I used to think, you know, it's all about getting less sleep and now it's become popular. Um, it's, it's a cool thing to sleep now, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's a, I use a, I put tape on my mouth when I sleep. So my mouth is oh, closed. I do, I do that too, actually. Yeah, it helps yeah, a lot, right? The somna fix. Yeah. Yep. So there's that. Um, I have a aura ring, and I I, I actually double down there because I have an eight sleep um, cover that that cools my bed and also measures my sleep as well. Um, I, I take Thorn CBD um, to help me sleep better. I have a an Allen A L E N air purifier, super good. Um, other than that, I oh I have a silk a silk sleep mask from a company called Slip. Mm -hmm. And uh, those things help me a lot. And I used, I sleep at 68 degrees. So, so by the way, why does this all matter? Why are you talking about this, Eric? I used to have to wake up three to four times a night to use the restroom. Um, super hot. I never did any of these things. And I was like, I just thought it was normal. I'm just like, I guess I have to use the restroom a lot. Now I never, I don't even get it once. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I wake up a lot more refreshed and then you go into your day. You know, what do I do? Five minute journal in the morning. Um, and you know, fill out gratitude. What are you going to do? And all that type of stuff. Um, I will use headspace, right? Here's the meditation cliche again, uh, 15 to 30 minutes. I'll hop on that bike 30 to 45 minutes. Uh, I'll do 200 pushups, uh, 200 sit-ups, um, sorry. And then hundred squats. And so now I've already done some, some kind of annoying things in the morning that yeah. I don't really want to do. Yeah. And now I just, I just look at my, my, my top goals for the year. I have my top goals when I brush my teeth on a post-it and I have another set right here in front of me on my business goals for the year, personal goals, travel goals, vacation goals. It's all there. So I stay focused that way. Um, but the majority of the time, if you had to ask me, 
if I, if I could only focus on two things or even just one thing, it would be on creating content Mm -hmm. because creating content like this, we spend, you know, 30 or 45 minutes together. Uh, you know, you could have thousands of people watching it. Right. And, um, that to me is leverage. We talk about leverage being one of the ultimate forms, um, uh, sorry, media being one of the ultimate forms of leverage. And if my job is to try to get deals and try to recruit people, my job then is to become more known, right? Mm-hmm. It's a selfish thing, right? But but it scales pretty well. So this is I have an interesting question for you about this, right? Because um, uh, so for instance, I I did some work with Chris Ducker, big on the personal brands, right? Rise of the Youpreneur and all that stuff. And on the one hand, it's like future proof your business by building a personal brand because no one can be you. On the other hand. I guess the question for you is, uh, and I create a ton of content in this business, um, and it's mostly me creating it, but what happens if Eric can't create content this week or this month, or I can't create content this week or this month, right? Or as I try to scale, right, in this business, um, but other people are helping or other people are, you know, featured in my programs or whatever, then how do you, how do you make sense of that being, um, does that position you as a bottleneck in certain parts of the business when you remain kind of the face and the brand? So you're hundred percent right. I think um, in, in a lot of cases, you know, it's a personal brand is, is hard to sell, right? If you're Tony Robbins or Tony Robbins, uh, if you're Gary Vee or Gary Vee, you're like my, yeah. mom, my podcast co-host, Neil, you're Neil, right? And we've actually talked about it on marketing school yeah. saying that, you know, if you want to build something really big, you probably don't want to do a personal brand. Right. Um, that being said, I think, if you look at single grain as a company or ClickFlow as a company, those are those are names that can stand on their own. And I think you can create a brand around those. I think, you know, the the dream later would be to have, um, you know, uh, marketing people that manage each each of those brands. Yeah. Uh, so I've diversified it in a sense where I will still continue to build my personal brand, but you can do it for these other companies too. A counter or another example, not a counter example would be um, there's a company called Think Media. And they have like 1.5 million subscribers on YouTube. They teach yep. you how to grow on YouTube. Yep. And basically, uh, Sean, who's the CEO, I was talking to him maybe two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, you know, I just have different personalities on. It's not all him anymore. It's now a group. So you can certainly do that too. It's an interesting model. Yeah. And I, I'm familiar with his channel. He's how I start, started getting uh, my feet wet with YouTube. Um, and it's an interesting model, right? You get people really used to hearing from Sean and then you bring in these other personalities or like... Uh, this is actually something that, for instance, Dave Ramsey is doing in a big way. Seems to be like rapidly introducing new new personalities, and um, it'd be interesting to see if that brand, even with that name, can hold up, right? Or the Tony Robbins name, yeah. right? Versus something like Think Media that could clearly, you know, if he does it right, could grow with some other people that are captivating enough, right? Or as captivating as Sean, right? And by the way, John, I think that's perfect. Like Think Media, it's 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 clearly no longer just Sean anymore. And so if you think about the stuff that I have going on, it's marketing school, it's click flow, it's single grain, and there's all the other companies, right? There's no like, uh, so my podcast co-host, he has neilpatel.com. His agency is called Neil Patel Digital. I don't have any of that, yeah. right? So even though I'm, I'm at the front, um, you know, quite a bit, but um, I, I don't think I've pigeonholed my, myself um, into that scenario. Yeah. And Neil has other all sorts of verticals and products uber suggest a big one we actually refer all of our therapists to so things like that that have his kind of name on it but is also a very scalable and sellable asset right under his his brand totally yeah um i have to ask you this eric because a lot of therapists are 
they're just wanting to get started with something or <laughs> a holy grail for a lot of them is even to make a dollar of what they would call passive income, um, which I would call some income where you work hard now and you know make money later, whatever. Um, <clears throat> if if you were then, right, or if you were a therapist in that service-based business, but you have a real clear set of, of skills or even niche skills, right? Um, and you wanted to start making some money online. What, what would you do like for the next 30 days with intense focus? Yeah. I mean, if I were a therapist, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, look, I think that goal is great. I think it's, if you have a service going on, if, if, if you have a practice already, you're making money that way. I think the next goal would be to make that $1 online. I think, uh, what, what's his name? Jack butcher has that, uh, visualized value. He actually has, mm -hmm. he talks about this a lot on Twitter. And so, you know, how much work is it going to be for you to, um, you know, the next 30 days, come up with a concept around your course, right? And I, I'm sure there's a lot of, uh, you know, people that have uh, dental practices or whatever, mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they have their courses. So you can draw inspiration out there. You just, you just have to go out there and find it. You have to show that you have a sense of hustle, which you should because you already started a private practice. Um, but then you can, you know, go find, you know, one of the LMSs out there, the learning management uh, systems or softwares. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the goal should be to make that $1, how do you need to back into that? Okay. You have to have a good LMS. You have to have good content. You have to have some type of launch strategy as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, see where that goes. Right. And maybe what you do is you charge, a, uh, and before you make the course, you do a, let's say you have an email list, you go to your clients or, or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. You basically say, you know what? Um, this is a presale guys. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you this yeah, for one. It. I'm going to give you this for, you know, $50 or hundred dollars, whatever, get some customers in, and then that's validation before you even try to make some type of course. But the goal is the macro goal is to make that $1. Cause once you start making that $1, my God, you should be able to keep going. I love it. Yeah. This is a, a cardinal sin for a lot of folks or especially course creators is wake up one day. I have a, an idea that I think is brilliant. So I start building it right. And then hope it sells right. Versus selling the thing and then building it, you know, once you have proof of concept. So I, I love that, that launch method. That's cool. Uh, Eric, what else are we missing from the conversation? Or as we start to wrap up, any other pieces um, or concepts from the book that you're really excited for people to, to hear about? And then, uh, and then, of course, how can people get ready to, uh, to pick up the book when it's out? Yeah, thank you for that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I talked about the, the concept of the wealth ladder a little earlier. So I think that's really important to understand. But more than anything, I think life is about going around and collecting power ups, and some of the power ups might decay. Um, and so, you know, sometimes you get a sword that has durability on it, and it just goes down, you got to go get that power up again. Um, or if you're Mario, you, you eat a mushroom, you get bigger, and then you get hit by an enemy, you just life is all about continuing to just get stronger and stronger, improve your tool belt. Um, and then you have these power-ups give you a significant advantage over other people, right? So to me, you know, in the morning when I wake up, when I do the meditation, that's a power-up. When I do the training in the morning, that's a power-up. When I do the gratitude journal stuff, that's a power-up. Sleeping is a power-up too. And so to me, I have an advantage over other people. Um, and so, you know, that is what it is. I think it's, it's requiring you to reframe life into uh, a game and a game is naturally more fun. And if it's just, if you're just having fun every day, how could you possibly lose, right? So that's what I like to say. But um, look, you can go to levelingup.com if you want to learn more about it, or you can just go to your favorite online retailer, just type in leveling up Eric Sue, and, uh, or you can just follow me on Twitter. It's just my name and that's it. Fantastic. Eric, if you had to leave us with one piece of advice or maybe something you wish you knew five years ago, what would it be? Yeah, maybe 10 years ago would just be, be patient. 
Mm-hmm. It's all this stuff just takes time. You know, we, yeah. we're very, you know, we, we want to rush things, but just be patient and uh, be resilient. That's solid. That's very solid. And I would agree. Eric, thank you again for doing this. Like I said, it was a real treat to see your name pop in my inbox and, and to have this chance to chat with you. So thank you again for doing this. Um, we'll put links to everything in the show notes, of course, and, and a, links, a link to Eric's book. Uh, Eric, thanks again. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. There you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As a reminder, click the links in the description to learn more about Eric and Eric's book. And if you want help growing your private practice, uh, apply to our up-level coaching program now. Just head to privatepracticeworkshop.com. Okay, that's all for this week. I hope you enjoyed it, and I look forward to seeing you again real soon. Cheers. Bye.